Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Hello, and thank you for joining us today. Well, just when you thought markets were forming a base and consolidating, boom, we suddenly see a sharp decline of over 5% in the US. Indeed, volatility across asset classes is on the rise. Currency volatility is back to the highest seen in March, and a two-day swing in US equities on Wednesday, obviously up, and Thursday down, is the largest swing we've seen since the height of the pandemic-induced volatility in March 2020. To try to make, a sense, make sense of everything, I have Manpreet Gill, who many listeners will know from the Daily Cut to the Chase podcast series. What we're going to do today is try to put things in perspective and outline what are the implications of the Fed announcement this week. We'll discuss whether now is the time to be adding to bond portfolios, how the Fed outlook and earnings season fits into our sector preferences, and finally, what are the potential catalysts for a weaker dollar. So, Manpreet, I was, pan- I was presenting at a panel yesterday, and it was clear that many of the panelists were nervous about the short-term outlook for markets. And I guess, you know, yes, the Thursday's sell-off is hardly likely to calm people down. However, we also know that one of the behavioral biases that we all suffer from is negativity bias, which we tend to have uh, be impacted more by negative events, I guess, because they happen suddenly than positive type events that happen over time. So I guess against this backdrop, people are waking up today thinking that equities are firmly in a bear market after a 5% decline. Um, but before we talk about the outlook, so can you try and put this in perspective and see how, how severe uh, the sell-off has been and what this looks like relative to history? Uh, hi, Steve. Um, no, I think some of that nervousness is absolutely understandable given, you know, that it feels like this sell-off has been going on for a long time. Uh, but you're right, I think stacking it up against the numbers uh, is actually quite important because when you look at the S&P 500, for example, um, since the early January peak, it's down about 13.5%. Um, and that's still obviously a sizable number, but I think it's interesting that it's well within, you know, the 10 to 19% pullbacks we've seen uh, six times in the 2009 to 2020, uh, you know, bull market. So, uh, it's still well within, you know, the, the the range that you could argue is still still a pullback uh, rather than something much worse like a bear market. Now, it obviously feels a lot worse because there are a few different characteristics. It's obviously been quite long drawn. Uh, in the middle, we had the early April rally before we lost it all over again. Um, the pullback has obviously been much larger in rate sensitive sectors like technology, where the Nasdaq, for example, is down uh, a little over 20% year to date. Um, and what's been unusual, of course, is that bonds have sold off at the date, same time with one total bond, bond return ETF, for example, down over 10%. Gold is up a little bit, uh, though only just given it's lost a lot of its recent gains. So there were a few places to hide. Um, that's what's made the whole process much more painful. Um, but so far, as you look at the S&P, at least as one benchmark, uh, so far, the pullback seems well within that, that uh, you know, 10 to 90% range of pullbacks we've already seen within a broader bull market. Okay, so um, arguably the the most the, the or the most major event of the week uh, was the Fed's decision to hike interest rates by fifty basis points. So obviously this was widely anticipated, uh, but the focus is now obviously on what next. Can you give a sense of our latest thinking on this? 
Well, a big focus for us and the market now is what actual Fed rate hikes will look like uh, versus what is already priced into markets. And and markets currently, of course, are looking for about another 200 basis point of rate hikes for the rest of this year. Um, but, you know, the immediate focus, of course, is whether the June meeting will be a 75 basis point rate hike. Now, Powell clearly seemed to rule that out for now at the at his press conference. Uh, but markets seem to be a little bit more wavering on that based on yesterday's market move. Uh, but, you know, our view, of course, is that the Fed uh, will front load is rate hikes, um, but softening growth and softening inflation uh, will allow the Fed to hike by possibly a little bit less than what's priced in my markets at the moment. Um, so that arguably is a little bit more benign than, than markets are worrying, uh, especially overnight. Uh, but the growth inflation outlook, of course, will be quite important and we'll most probably see markets focus quite a lot on that. There's clearly worries that we'll get a bit of a growth scare. But, you know, that's one we disagree with a little bit because we look at measures of business sentiment or, or activity like the ISM. Yes, it's falling, but it's still at a pretty strong level. And of course, we know the labor market thus far has been quite strong. So we look at those two on a positive view. Uh, inflation, of course, is the other big one. Um, and arguably, you know, several you know, forecasters starting to to look at you know, recent numbers as being the or, or close to the peak. Uh, but the key here, of course, is oil prices, because that's the biggest influence on inflation expectations, which the Fed cares about, uh, and what nature this, this discussion within the European Union on a possible embargo on Russian oil takes. I think that'll be quite key to setting expectations on inflation from here. So for us, a little bit less than markets, but I think a couple of risks to watch around that. Okay, so as we discussed earlier, bond returns have obviously also been deeply negative, not just the equity markets, which obviously gets a lot of the headlines. Uh, what does this Fed outlook mean for the outlook for bond investors? Is it now um, the right time to be adding to exposure? Well, selectively, yes, but uh, perhaps not in the most obvious place, because, um, you know, looking at just how much bond yields have gone up, there is a temptation to to argue that if if the Fed is likely to price uh, to hike rates, you know, by approximately what's what's priced in, um, then it's valid to question whether one should start adding long duration bonds at, at this time. Um, and, you know, while we see that argument, we're not big fans of trying to time that peak in bonds uh, because, you know, it's a valid case in this cycle. But historically, you know, bond yields have sometimes peaked much close, much uh, further down into a rate hiking cycle. But the two areas where we where we do think that there's risk reward favors adding uh, in our preferred areas also add, you know, a few other factors. So we still like high yield credit. Uh, in the US and Europe. Uh, here's where spreads have widened a little bit, but the recent earnings season shows that credit quality is holding up. There's, of course, Asia dollar bonds. Uh, we've discussed this quite a lot early in the year where valuations are quite beaten up, but we are getting more and more signs of policy support uh, in the pipeline from China. So that, you know, we think should be a source of support in, in what's pretty beaten up valuations. And more recently, of course, we added a preference for EM dollar bonds. Uh, this is one area which, of course, is quite sensitive to rate, uh, to, to government bond yields, but we're more comfortable at taking the risk here because credit spreads are also quite wide. Um, and compared to other EM assets, it does tend to hold up better historically uh, during periods of US dollar strength if that, that were to extend. So that's perhaps a third area, which is a little bit closer to trying to, to look at where bond yields end up. Okay, so let's move back to equities. Um, so the, the the earnings season obviously um, is is in full swing in the US, um, and we obviously have the Fed news. So what does this mean for the outlook for equity markets and potentially sec- and sectors as well? 
Well, from an earnings perspective, uh, actually, the message is quite positive. I mean, if you look at the US, for example, in the first quarter, uh, uh, about 74% of companies uh, in the S&P have reported so far. Um, and they're surprised, you know, quite by, by quite a wide margin with consensus now looking for close to 10% earnings growth. Uh, Europe, the numbers were even more stellar with the you know, expectations now looking for about 35% earnings growth now. That, a lot of that, of course, due to the rise in energy prices, but that's still a pretty strong number, uh, whichever way you look at it. Um, so, so I think that that the message from earnings, of course, is positive. Uh, but of course, given the broader context, we think that the sector sort of focus may be a helpful way to start wading back into equities after what's been obviously the pretty tough year. Now, um, you know, two of our preferred sectors, of course, uh, energy still. Now, energy, of course, uh, you know, is up quite strongly, uh, well over 20% year to date. Uh, but here's one area where we still see quite a bit of catch up uh, to where oil prices are. And it obviously helps mitigate the risk that oil prices rise further. So we think that's one sector in, in most regions uh, we'd, we'd still be comfortable adding to. The other one, of course, is financials. Now, financials are down about 7% uh, you know, year to date. Uh, but this is one sector where we believe the market's ignoring the fact that you know earnings surprise has been positive, and actually the sector benefits from higher bond yields uh, through net interest margins. So those are two examples of sectors uh, we prefer and we think might be good ways to start wading back into the market. You know, following what's been obviously a, a big pullback since the start of the year. Okay, so uh, let, let's move to Asia. Um, so we've had some news coming out from China over the past week or so. Um, now, I, I'm guessing that the international environment will weigh on Chinese stocks in the immediate future. But how positive are you on China stocks and Asia as a whole? Well, Asia, Japan as a whole is, is a preferred area. And I think we're quite positive there from a six to 12 month horizon. Um, I, I think it's interesting that when you look at the pullback year to date, um, actually, you know, the pullback in the S&P and, and, and Asia, Japan equities has been quite similar, uh, which is, you know, a more positive outcome than one might normally expect. Um, but, you know, in our view, China, of course, is, is a key driver of that that positive view. Um, you know, China's been through a pretty painful sell-off. Of course, the COVID lockdowns imposed, you know, a, quite a, a strong shock uh, to markets. Uh, and Chinese equities have underperformed Asia X Japan. But I think two sort of factors stand out. One is that, you know, Chinese equities now trade uh, at quite a significant valuation discount to the rest of the world, uh, about half the PE now to the rest of the world. Uh, that's about, you know, towards the lows historically. And the second one, of course, is policy stimulus, because that's, you know, not really been forthcoming in a big way, but we're getting many, many more positive signals, most recently from the Politburo, which recommitted to achieving growth targets. We saw more efforts on infrastructure and a willingness to review uh, some of the regulatory tightening that that hasn't completely let up over the past year. So all of those are positive. I think the the key, of course, is you know these positive factors are like, likely to come through once the most acute phase of COVID lockdowns are over, because that's when stimulus can really start to have some impact. So perhaps requiring a little bit more patience in a matter of weeks, uh, but we do think that six to twelve month outlook is starting to look more positive. Um, once again, in, from a sector perspective, in China, of course, we do favor the industrial sector that does match up with several of the policy priorities. Uh, in addition, of course, to the energy sector as we discussed. And of course, you know, many of the positive factors uh, we think should also have a positive spillover to Asia dollar bonds, where valuations are similarly beaten up, but we think a policy catalyst may be the key, key trigger. Okay, so um, maybe just one final piece. And I, I guess it's related to the Asia X Japan story is the, the outlook for the dollar. I mean, we do have the call that the dollar was, is um, ultimately going to peak uh, and weaken significantly. So I, I guess uh, with the dollar index still above 103 or 103, we're still waiting. But uh, what do you think the catalyst could be for a weaker dollar? And when do you think the peak might come? 
Well, uh, one big factor that that has pushed the dollar to where it is is that repricing higher through the first early part of this year of Fed rate hikes. And I think what's what's happened, of course, with the benefit of hindsight, is that the relative yield differentials, you know, have moved quite strongly in favor of the dollar. Um, so one way to think about a potential catalyst for a dollar peak is, you know, if that process were to come to an end, um, and it feeds back to what we discussed in the early part of the podcast that you know if the Fed only delivers. Uh, what is already priced by markets, or in our view, a little bit less than that, uh, we think that, of course, should contribute to the dollar in beginning to peak. So that's one part of it. The other, of course, is interest rate differentials are relative. Uh, we've seen a big repricing in the US, not so much elsewhere in the G10 world, at least. So if we started to see more rate hikes being priced into Europe for the ECB, for example, that may be a second factor uh, that may help us start to shift that relative uh, interest rate balance uh, the other way. Now, that's, of course, a six to 12 month argument. I think we were obviously watching uh, a couple of short term factors, um, you know, uh, risk appetite, uh, you know, is, is still a concern, especially if we see any kind of escalation in, in Ukraine uh, or oil prices. Uh, we also know currencies tend to be strongly driven by momentum and tend to overshoot. And we think we're seeing some of that, of course, in the US dollar. But it all comes back to the fact that I think we need to watch those relative rate differentials. And if markets are done on the Fed uh, and start looking for rate hikes elsewhere, that may be the catalyst um, for the dollar. Until that time, of course, that's part of the reason why we're favoring commodity currencies like the Aussie and the Canadian, because that's you know one example of a good pocket where their own central banks have all been raising rates, uh, so that relative yields have not been as much of a challenge for these currencies, uh, at least for now. Okay, well, thanks, Manpreet. A pleasure as always talking to you, and thank you, listener, for joining us today. Um, just to, as a heads up for clients. We are putting together a fascinating H2 outlook uh, for the Global Market Seminar on July 4th, where we will have a high-profile speaker to talk about the risks facing the global economy. And obviously, you can hear again from um, people such as Manpreet and myself to, uh, on the investment outlook for the second half of the year. So please look out for details on this from your relationship manager in the coming weeks. Uh, another long weekend for our Hong Kong listeners, so please enjoy. But Manpreet will be back as normal with his Cut to the Chase podcast on mon- Monday. In the meantime, I wish everybody a great weekend ahead and hope to see you soon. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details on the latest market insights, subscribe to Standard Chartered Money Insights.